Hello, Tell the lads to have a happy Christmas. You mean a happy new year? A happy new year. <laughs> happy new year, lads. Oh, God, you wouldn't belong getting fresh, but. One more time Up on Cypress Avenue I call one more time Up on Cypress Avenue And I'm conquered in a car seat Nothing that I can do Welcome to the Test East End episode 145 And it's me Gary P Of course the Prof Carl Riley. Happy New Year listeners Happy New Year Yeah our first one of 2021 Prof Santa hates balls yeah, um, still sponsored by Ocean Electrical. Fantastic guys, and get in touch with them if you need any electrical work done. Should we plug manscaping as well? Because thinking about getting one. All the podcasts I listen to now are sponsored by manscaping. We must be the only people not being paid. Mm, yeah, I think we'll have to get on to them. But I do, I do. Uh, my balls need a trim. They're actually actively saying that like, you can't say like keep your balls. You can't say anything right now. I haven't heard ten times on the podcast. Yeah, I've heard every joke. Every hairy joke. But they actually are doing that. Like, isn't that their angle? Like, they'll say to you, do you have hairy balls? Well, we'll sort that out for you. That type of thing, isn't it? I'm looking into it. I was talking to Mero about it. He says it's great. Mm. Mero gave us a plug there last week. Yeah, I was listening to that. That was actually yeah. a very good show. I love Donald Fallon. He's brilliant. Is that, that's Mero's always a good show, but when Donald Fallon is on, I just press play immediately. Because he's just... Most listenable guy in the yeah. world, isn't he? just want to hear him. He's Dead. brilliant. Uh, yeah, so first show of 2021 and we'll be doing at least one episode a month during the off-season to help keep you entertained and during another lockdown. So um, the latest instalment of our Player of the Year series with 2006 winner Aidan Price and there's an interview with Roberts fan Eva O'Malley, Afric O'Malley who works as a nurse. So um, yeah, Prof, we, uh, who'd have thought during the first lockdown that uh, it'd be worse nine months later? No one would have thought that. <sighs> yeah, it's crazy. Unfortunately, we uh, haven't dealt with it very well. Mm-hmm. Well, the government haven't. So people seem to be getting looser and looser with their inhibitions. So oh, it's unfortunate, Prof. It really is. Think back to this time last year. We were doing a tattoo show in Temple Bar. Is that what it was? Well, something was going on in China that we weren't too concerned about. And yeah. then while well, we were looking forward to, to Sligo and... Yeah. Trying to get things ready for the new season. Oh, FBI Cup trophy was doing the rounds. Yeah. Ended up all around the country. Dropped a few times as well, unfortunately. The thing was belted over. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Now, I presume the league trophy is just safely started away at the stadium and we still haven't had a chance to properly celebrate with it together, you know? I haven't even touched it. I haven't even seen anything in person, so... I have a gripe, actually, about this trophy. Go on. I forgot to mention it on a recent show. I like it. They should engrave the current winners on it. Before they give it to the champions, 
So we're going. We Surely to, that's standard. They don't do that. We have to spend a whole year now with this trophy, and what it says at the bottom is Dundalk 2019. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Surely we can get an engraver to get himself involved there. Do you see? There was actually an interview with the guy who made the FAI Cup trophy. It was. Oh, it was he made, he's alive. Yeah, he was like. I think he he made it in the 1960s. This current version. Right. He's 79 years old. Uh, this silversmith. So he talked about making it. It was only a two minute video, like it was absolutely class. And where was he born, Gar? Where Crumlin. was he, where was he born? He was born in Crumlin. Of course he was. He's D12, the hotbed of talent. Um, yeah, so yeah, since it's the new year, Prof will do all the plugs. So at Eastan Pod on Twitter, Tesla Eastan on Instagram, Royley Parsons on Facebook. Um, you can listen to all the the list of us on all the usual places: SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much any Android app, Overcast, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic, Podcast Player, Journal, Stitcher, and Acast. So, yeah, pretty much it. That's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, we're everywhere. So, shout out to Shamrock Rovers Fan TV, a YouTube channel hosted by a young fan. He did a Shamrock Rovers transfer show recently where he talked about our new signings. Actually, I have no idea who this kid is. Yeah, don't know your name, but fair yeah. play to you. You're doing a good job. Get in touch if get you want us to uh, mention your name. But uh, the reaction to Brads are prof. Brads are cast. Very, very, very positive. Probably the most feedback we've ever received for a single episode. And it's one of those, isn't it? Like if there's one show we've done where like virtually everyone has heard, it's probably this one because yeah, yeah, yeah. like we had a player texting us. We had. Mal follows on Twitter and, and Jose retweeted us so probably the whole Even staff the tuned in the paper got a hold of it as well didn't it that was a Forward weird one us. the story around was about Jack how, how Bradger said it would be a sackable defence if I didn't plan for without Jack that's all they got from that yeah that's all they got is him where he implicates himself somewhat where he, he says no. oh, I have to be sacked if we can't replace Jack like, that's, all, that's all they got see if you agree with me actually what did you think was the most newsworthy thing from that interview oh god um most newsworthy thing about that interview oh man I don't know you tell me yours I can't it was Ronan Finn coming to him and saying I will play in this position to help the team and help fit in Jack Byrne yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree yeah no one knew that that's that's uh, Captain Fantastic isn't yeah. it so that would have been my sort of headline but I'm not a, not an editor I guess but um like a lot of people said the same things it was amazing how relaxed he was and it is quite rare to have a manager who's currently in the job speak so openly mm. about his team and about his reign so yeah excellent stuff yeah so Phelanmore said if you, if you listen to one podcast this year it's the lads with the latest tifties and Brad's their interview is absolutely outstanding getting the gaffer in the chat is one thing getting the getting the insight how he cleaned out the dressing room of contract chase and fuckers and how he has built the team here it was now compelling and fair play to the prop and Gary P on getting this done if we didn't fully know how talented intelligent professional and thorough Bradley is we do now so get on it folks it's a brilliant interview you'll hear for any professional TV or radio st- TV station take a bow prop and Gary and all above Stephen Bradley very thanks Fed. I'm great some, some very kind words thanks for that Fed. I don't know if we did a whole lot we we played our part but really I think we just caught lightning in a bottle yeah it was magic bottle, yeah. and really uh, yeah as, as someone said to us it can't be fully appreciated in just one listen 
Uh, I think I might go back for another listen myself because it's one of those you kind of do need to listen to twice. Just an album. I've never been really <clears throat> starstruck before. And that, that mm. kind of was just listening to him. Is the way he sees football like we don't see it. Like he sees things we'll never see. Like he watches football. The fucker can see the colours in the wind. Like what a lot of people took from it was the the importance he places on on the the person's character. It was fascinating. That's huge for me as well. I think that's deadly the way he does that. Fascinating to hear him talk about that. We're we're in very good hands the way he chooses who he brings into the club. And on that note, there was a kind of a interesting timing to the day we posted the show. It was five years to the day that we re-signed Killian Brennan. Hmm. <laughs> oh God, what a useless individual. Did you remember we signed him? Resigned them. Re- remember that? Someone though. thought it was a good idea to bring him back. Do you remember that? We were like, what is going on? Nutsy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, we didn't and, uh, ask him his worst moment, Prof. Uh, yeah. But we won't accept any other answer than draw it in the cup. Do you remember the venom being spat at the team that day from the stands? I do, the players. And we, everyone was fighting each other. All the fans were giving out to each other like because people were saying, Bradley, you need to get out of the fucking club or whatever. And then someone would disagree and they'd be like, yeah, you shut your fucking mouth. Everybody was just killing each other. I remember if the players started to head over to clap the fans and then they'd be like, actually, no, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> they just turned away. They're like, oh, maybe not today. Yeah. Come up to yeah. clap the fucking... Uh, and I love that ground. I think it's great. I love the atmosphere in the little shed. It's impossible to get a good view in there, though. Uh, yeah, but I think if you're at the front, if you get in and you get at the front, I think, it, I think if it's If you're cool. in the stand that holds, like, 14 people, yeah. well, then you can see the game. But anywhere else. And funny enough, the star of that game, uh, Hondermark, remember him? Yeah, he's uh, he's on the move. He's been with Norwich. Uh, now he's on known at Harrogate Town in League 2. He was good that day. Very 17, good. I think he was. And we have a new hashtag based on the, the browser cast from Paul O'Dwyer. Hashtag Gavin Brennan or Cameron King. Yeah. Gavin Brennan or Cameron King. Do you know what? It's it's the which which one do you pick? Like So Bradzer was also interviewed in Saturday Sport for RTE Radio a little week a little more than a week ago as well. So um Bradzer, yeah, he was doing the rounds. And he's nominated for the RTE Sports twenty twenty manager of the year, so the winner will be announced on Thursday. I didn't there's a couple of them I didn't I'm guessing there's a few hurling and rugby ones in there, is there? I'd say that's the sort of the award that goes to like the the egg chasers and the bug bother, so you know the real national sports. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Dublin Derby is on right now as we record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I actually heard someone refer refer, refer to another person as a mink in work. The did you? Sick came up my neck. Did you gasp? <laughs> we did learn one uh, new thing from. The Brazzer interview with RTE there. He said, uh, Milan have invited us over for a game when everything settles down. What? Yeah. Seriously, a friend? Like? Yeah. No way. So we are going to get to see San Zero. That's how much we impressed him. Brilliant. Excellent. Right, so the result of the Rovers Women's 17's final played after we recorded our show. It was a 2-0 defeat to Cork. Overshadowed by the abusive comments made on the FAI live stream. And the club made a statement condemning it. Jesse Stapleton and Heather Kelly, the daughter of manager Sean Kelly, were interviewed about it in the papers. And uh, yeah, Jesse since left and got to Shelburne with no king. The women's team, but there were some horrible comments. Yeah, I mean, when it's that easy to post anonymously, 
like it was on that FBI stream. You're going to attract these trolls and idiots, so it shouldn't happen, but it's going to happen if you don't moderate it. And, uh, yeah, obviously it was disgusting, but it happens. Yeah, you leave yourself open when, when, you, when you can yeah. have any username on it, you know? And you mentioned Noel King there, Gary. You saw my tweet about that. Yeah, what an idiot. Noel King, so maybe Jesse is unaware how much of a stooge Noel King is. Absolute go- stooge. A guy of with absolutely no backbone and not a friend or supporter of women's football in this country in the past. So is this someone she wants to work under? That's what, we, I'll never forget it actually. I think the girls came out and they were like, okay, they came out with that big statement. The, the women's team said we're giving the tracksuits back and stuff like that. And, and he was on the radio the next morning, seven in the morning. And he said, they get the exact same treatment as the men. That's what he said. I said, you yep. fucking liar. Barefaced liar. Scumbag. So, a stooge. Absolute stooge. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we move on. Yeah, so 507 club members, Prof, on the year end. A fantastic number. It was revealed at our AGM in December. A good 200 people attended our town hall meeting. And congratulations to Stephen Gleeson, who was elected to the board. Uh, Rochi and Alan O'Driscoll stepped down after many, many years' service. So, um, fair play to the lads. And uh, Alan is still involved in the capacity with the club. He's, I think he's our legal guy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, those two guys were who were, were forever in their debt for everything they've done for the club. So. Happy retirement, lads. Yeah. They got a round of applause, a virtual round of applause in the in the Zoom meeting. And uh, always funny looking around, seeing what people are doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the Zoom meeting. You had Robbie Gaffney on the Guinness. You had Charlie O'Connor, just being Charlie O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, I was I was in work. I only caught the end of it. Really, I couldn't really hear much. But I become such a voyeur during these things. <laughs> I was just uh, that's it, letting people out of the dungeon. So um, yeah, unfortunately we have lost some hoops in uh, since you last heard us. So we rest in peace to Larry Mason and John Wilkes Jr. Two great hoops. John coached our U teams when we moved to Talaforst, and he got a great send off. He's a well known Celtic fan as well. You probably saw the video with people lying in the streets. Um, rest in peace to uh, Sean Grandad Barrett from the Liberties. Good send off and Derek Tracy at the funeral. And we also lost Francis Johnson, his son Nathan is a big Rovers fan and a listener of the podcast. So our thoughts are with him and the family. So uh, really, really sad times. So unfortunately, uh, that's just our condolences to everybody. Right, so next up is the man who captained the club in the 2006 Force Division and ever present that season and our uh, current manager of Shamrock Rovers 2. It's still up in the air whether or not the team will be back, which is strange one for me. I mean... There's, there's little or no budging on that yet. There's mm. no no mo- movement on it at all. So. Well, I went to the wire last year, so I'd expect the same. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So we had a chat with Edo who joined the club in 2006 and his turbulent first year B team manager. So uh, still the only man to win the fourth <laughs> division and the Premier League medal, am I right? Yep. So here's Edo. Uh, first memories are obviously meeting meet with, meet with Pat Scully. Um, he had been my manager the year before in Kilkenny, like, you know, so. I remember meeting him in the in the Red Cow, and he had said that he was he was getting the Rovers job, and he wanted me to come with him. Like so, that was my first initial memory. Um, and then obviously coming into pre season training, and uh, there was still some of a lot of the players that had been there the previous season. Um, Derek Tracy, Trevor Malloy, and stuff like that. Like so, um, 
they're obviously big name players and big characters and stuff like so. Uh, yeah, they're they're all my initial they're the initial memories of of signing for the club uh, back in '06. But like you say, we're pretty much starting from scratch for Enfield. There's only yeah. one or two survivors from 2006. Yeah. Pascoli had to assemble a brand new team. Yeah. Was he the perfect choice because he had done well with Kilkenny? You brought a few players from Kilkenny like yourself. Yeah, I think he was. I think he like for what he done uh, for that period he was here. I think he was the right person for the job. Like you know because he had young. Uh, I know I mentioned like Derek and Trevor and stuff like that, but uh, they. I think that I don't. They were gone through pre-season, like you know. So he, I think Pat was knew what he wanted, knew the kind of group that he wanted, and we were a young, hungry group looking to prove ourselves. Probably naively. Uh, not understanding how much pressure was probably going to come on to us uh, trying to get Rovers back into the Premier Division. So I think he was the right man for the job because he took all that pressure himself um, and he knew how to get young players uh, working hard, which was what it was going to take like, because it was no other way. We were never going to be a uh, an expansive ball-playing team to go and win the fourth division at that period of time. So he knew the players that he needed and he knew the type of players that um, that he wanted to help us achieve that look. So yeah, I definitely think he was the right person uh, for the club at that time because he took on the the responsibility of dealing with that and allowed us just to be to be players to just to go and win games. Like you know, but he put that he installed that kind of winning thing in us. Like you know, because every training session was a hundred miles an hour. Everything was competitive. We used to pair us up against each other, um, and it was like you have to go be him in training games and stuff like just simple things like that just to get us like. Uh, onto it like so um I, I remember some of the sessions at that time like even like you, the sessions the night before games were renowned for uh being absolute chaos like you know like we used to do two you'd, you'd pick a squad of 18 or whatever it was at the time he'd leave out players that were there for training they'd train separately the night before so he could just focus on on his squad for that day and we would do it an ava or 9v9 um, and they were chaos, like two nine-minute games of absolute chaos. Like, but he felt that, that was what we needed to to mentally be prepared for what was going. What was everybody wanted to uh, make sure Rovers didn't get promoted straight away. Like, so he he was trying to prepare us for that. Do you remember the opening night coming from behind to beat Dundalk at Talca Park? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it felt like there was probably ten thousand people in Talca. Obviously, there wasn't like, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a special night because even throughout preseason that year, like we had we had played some games, like I think we played like James's Gate and different teams like that, but we, we were seeing the crowds that were kind of coming to support us at that time, um, which was completely new for, for a lot of us as players, like, you know, to to feel that. But it, it gave us gave us some confidence, like, you know, it gave us a real perspective of like, I think I was 22 or 23 at the time, it gave us a real perspective of being a professional footballer, a taste for it, like, you know, so um, we wanted to maximise that, but we took great confidence from it. And then, the, obviously, the first game in Dundalk, or in Talker Overs against Dundalk, was a, it, was, it was always going to be a difficult one because Dundalk had some really good, experienced players, Peter Hines, Philly Hughes, these kind of boys that were, uh, that knew what, the fourth division and uh, getting results was about, so it was a challenge for us straight away. Like, but I think that set us up nicely getting that late winner. I think Willie Doyle scored the goal late, uh, 
the forest coming from behind in that game. So, um, yeah, set us up nicely for for what we knew was coming for us for the season. And if you had to pick out a couple of highlights, a uh, couple of games from 2006, what what would you pick? Uh, 2000, those games, like, yeah, there was there was many. Like, you know, you're thinking going to going to Limerick. Uh, oh, the Dundalk game was a massive one because it gave us a taste for what was coming um, and to get a result from that game uh, was a massive kind of lift for us um, going to Limerick and winning was huge I think Andy Moyler scored twice down in Limerick that night and it was on the same night I think that uh, Dundalk were our main challenges at that time um, and I think they went to Monaghan if I'm not uh, wrong and were beaten um, so it gave us a, it gave us a big lift knowing that we were going down and down to Cove, uh, with with an in air control to 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 uh, to win the league. Like so, um, yeah, I'd say the Limerick one was a, was was a real standout for us. Like um, some of the home games, like I remember, I think we played Cove at home and we were, I think we won four nil. Um, what was a big result for us at the time. And it's just some things to stick in your head. Like I remember having an argument with Gerald Bryan during the game about it and stuff. And we're far nil up from a coast and like, but it was that kind of what I was saying about the mentality that Pat had built into us. Like that we were, I remember we had a blazing row on the pitch. Like you know, and I think it was about an extra player going up for a corner or something like that. Like it's just something stupid. Like at that time, like but little things like that just stick in your head. Like you know, and. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, there was a couple of big ones, but I, I do think the Limerick away and I think Andy Moyler scored twice was uh, was a was a big was a big one for us. Like, you know. and fans finally remember the the cup run as well. We yeah. uh, we upset Bowes yeah. in the second round and that incredible turnaround in Athlone in the quarter final. Yeah, yeah, like the cup the cup that year was was brilliant. It was crazy. Like it was uh, obviously the Bowes game grabbed everyone's attention. Uh, it was it was a massive game for us as a group of players. I think the f- the the first game in Tala, like we were a bit overawed by it, especially in the first half. I think Mark League scored from cross, like and um, they had a boy up front for them, Devlin. I think it was for balls. Like he was probably one of the best players I played against. I remember he played for Birmingham City and stuff, like in in the Premier League or Championship, wherever it may be. Um, he was excellent. And but I remember Pat speaking to us at half time and it was just the gaps were just too big and we were just being too respectful to them and we weren't playing our own game. We were kinda of waiting to see what Bo's done and we were standing off them and stuff like so I think second half we were much better. Um in, in the game in Tolka. Toig scored a penno. I think Toig had might or Dave Cassie might have had a chance later in the game to actually win the game there and then, like um but yeah, first half we were we were poor, probably played in too much for sex. Second half we were much better, and then I felt going to Daly Mount. Then uh, we were in a we had a little bit more confidence because we knew what we needed to do, and we we kind of just had to take the shackles off and play our normal game, which I think we did. And um, a couple of things, obviously, I think Barry Ferguson was suspended for balls that night or injured. That boy Devlin didn't play either, and Vinnie Erkins got injured early in the game, if I remember. Um, and they just seemed it just seemed to unbalance bows as much as anything else and give us a bit more uh confidence in the game because we we, we were a counter attacking team we were set up to be a counter attacking team that night and and uh and it worked out well for us like so that was that was a massive night 
that was a massive feeling to kind of uh, for the fans, I suppose, to have something from that season because obviously the disappointment of being in the fourth division, um, it felt like a free hit for us, and to get a free hit against Bowles, like it was was huge with with the bragging rights, but obviously the the stick and abuse that the fans would have been taking from Bowles fans at that time, uh, it gave us something. Uh, really big to be able to give back to the fans at that time, um, which was which was great. The Athlone game was a crazy game. They played us in the rugby park, I think, in, in a, uh, and the pitch was terrible. Pat Scully was suspended from the game, um, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just a crazy game. We were terrible in the game. Athlone were were well on top of us, and Robbie Clark stuck came in on his right foot, I've never even seen him kick a ball with his right foot before and stuck it into the top corner um, and then uh, Podge scored the winner for us at the, uh, at the end, I think it was a Podge or, or was it Jay Rowe, I think it was Podge, like, maybe Podge, like, or Jay, I'm not sure, one of them anyway, he's got the winner for us late in the game and uh, and then like, I remember the feeling after the game, Mark Dempsey was the assistant manager and it was kind of like uh, uh, everyone was elated and delighted and stuff and then we got back onto the bus after the game and Pat gets onto the bus and slaughters us like you know saying we were disgraceful we, we shouldn't we should never have allowed Atlanta to be anywhere near us but we didn't, didn't do the basics right and stuff and that was the kind of mentality that he was bringing us back down to earth and making sure we weren't getting too ahead of ourselves because fundamentally the big goal was to make sure that we we got promoted like you know and he seen it as an he just wouldn't allow his standards to drop um although we had won the game and although we were i think we were going to go and play pats in the semi-finals then after that uh, he was more focused on the principles and seeing us making sure that we didn't drop our standards and take our eye off and start getting too ahead of ourselves because we were quite a young group like you know. speaking of pascoli and buses uh What's your version of events of when three players were uh, thrown off the bus? I think it was two thousand seven. Yeah, like I don't know how it, I don't know how it really started. To be honest, like you know, like I've heard so many things now that the, the story just seems to have grown legs, and it's had about I've heard about twelve different versions of it. Like you know, but I think there was an issue the night before in training or something like that, and <clears throat> it wasn't uncommon for a couple of times within that those couple of seasons, like. If training was terrible, and like I was saying, it was we were doing we do those training games the night before where it was literally hell for leather. Like you were going home and need, needing to proper recover from like the training session the night before a game, which was which was uh, which was mad. Like, but it, it, he was just that mentality. Like, so I think the training game the night before we the the bus incident. I think he may have sent us home early from training. Like, you know, I don't think he was happy with how training was. Um, and I think he was a bit paved with how things were leading into that game, like you know. So, um, and then obviously a few players get sent home, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a crazy time. Like do you know what I mean? It was uh, it seemed to get more attention for, from outside than what we were really feeling at, at the time because <clears throat> we were more. Like, it, it really was just a case of right, that's happened. Boom, we have a match to go to play in Waterford. And Parley Cameron is going to get a chance now because the players that aren't aren't uh, on the bus uh, aren't with us, like you know. So, um, yeah, it, <coughs> and how how it happened and stuff, like, uh, yeah, he just decided, boom, off the bus. 
that's it. Like, yeah, you're not with us today. It's deal done, like, you know, and then everyone else was just on the bus. I, I don't remember too much else to think that it was just, it felt quite like a normal thing for Pat to do because uh, he wasn't happy with something. So he would never be able to leave something lie. He kind of, if he needed to deal with something, he dealt with it. And uh, if he wasn't happy about something, he he uh, he wanted it dealt with straight away. And um, whether whether he was right or wrong on the scenarios that do happen, like, but he was a lot of the time he would act on his own gut feeling, and uh, he had a gut feeling that something wasn't he wasn't happy about something, and uh, that's that was just his decision to make at that time, like you know. So in two thousand six, you were a captain, you were ever present that season, and then you were chosen as a. Player of the Year. What do you remember about the ceremony itself and your reaction to getting that award? Uh, she was like, I, I'd still like, I, I, I know when we spoke about obviously having this chat and stuff like that, that would have came back to me straight away. Like, and I'd still get goosebumps thinking about it. Uh, I remember I was in Breakford Border. I think that's right. It was in Breakford Border in town. The, 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 the function, like you know, it wasn't a, a like a kind of uh, and not a big and it was a it was a proper like it was like a party like you know it was like we were going to someone's 24th or something like you know it was a uh, we we the players and staff had uh were having dinner upstairs in breakford border beforehand and the function uh, was in was downstairs like you know and uh i knew i'd obviously had a good season uh i think i was up for BFI player of the year as well that year and uh, so I knew I was I was having a good season so but even still to be named player of the year like was huge um, I remember yeah I remember the feeling of like we, there was a little stage up on stage the fans were obviously delighted because we'd got promoted back into the Premier Division um, so it was all, all around it was a really good a really good night I remember speaking at the time about our targets would be to get back into the Premier Divisions and challenge, and uh, whether that took us two, three, or four years, like that was that was our main focus, like you know. So, um, it was yeah, it was really like you're speaking from the heart, and you're speaking from a genuine feeling of elation that to be part of the the team and that gets us back into the Premier Division was huge, like you know, and my satisfaction from from being a main kind of part of helping that happen is huge like you know it take as much satisfaction if not more from uh, winning it winning getting to Rovers back into the Premier Division in 06 as much as I would as winning the league in 2010 like you know um, in the Premier Division like you know because that's what was needed at that time and that was uh, that was that was a huge part of helping us to get to 2010 was what, what was done in 06 like so um, yeah, I, I take great kind of pride in being a part of that uh, group that w- were uh, so hard working and honest and pushed each other and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a massive kind of it's a massive honour for me to be part of that. You're the sole owner of a record that will probably never be broken. The only Rovers man to win both the first division and a Premier Division medal. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. It never has to be. Yeah, that's as I say. Like it was, <clears throat> 06 was completely different than by the time. 2009 2010 comes around because uh, the club was in a transition and you knew it, it had had torn the point it torn the corner like of uh, the difficulties of being relegated in 05 the difficulties of the financial troubles that were there and 
but the new board coming in and the fan, the 400 club and stuff uh, taking a lot more uh, uh, having having a lot more of an input at that time um, I felt like that coming to the club at that time was was a great was a great period to be part of and and then the difference between obviously 09 and 10 and moving into Tala and that bit more prestige and a bit more kind of uh, glamour about uh, how we how we were going about our stuff like with you know the likes of Twiggy and Gary Saves and stuff these players coming in from Scotland uh, full time professionals and stuff like that like was was a was a different environment but um, it, it was a yeah you can feel the difference between 06 and 10 which is but to be part of two of them at that time was was huge. Like, you know. uh, you were in charge of the B team this season. I, don't, I think few managers have had to deal with what you dealt with in the first three games. You had uh, boycott threats, you had Storm George, and then a pandemic in the first three games. So how do you look back at that crazy spell? Uh, ah, like 2020 is just, it's been mad. Like To be honest, like, the start to be finding out at the start of the season so close like we obviously had planned and I spoke about this before like that we had planned that we were we were going to be in the league but you just never know until you get the definite and I think it was around mid February we were uh, early February maybe that we, it was one hundred percent confirmed and everything was okay so um, yeah that was a challenge and you had the disappointments obviously of of uh, of teams not kind of wanting to recognise us and understand what we're trying to do and stuff like that but. We just had to make sure we were trying. To, uh, we knew we were doing it for the right reasons, and it's just about players, and it's just about helping players and giving them a platform to play. And um, so uh, that was a challenge in itself. But um, the challenges of the dis or the the craziness of the Galway game at home was just like I don't think I'd ever experience anything like uh, anything like that. Probably, hopefully, again, like you know, because whatever about during the game and you know trying to keep the players going and your players coming off just after head half time with like saying their head was was pounding or you have players saying that the, their arms are just stiffening up from the cold and um i know you're, you're, you're probably just saying just keep going just keep going like but uh it was it was a really crazy time and then you're seeing the dressing room and the medical room afterwards it was just like it was like it was like a, uh, an episode of ER, like you know, it was you had people running around, like you, it's Steve Bradley, you had Steve McPhail running around giving their coats to, to players, you had players in the uh, boiler room of the stadium, like wrapped in tinfoil, being fed tea and stuff like that. Like you were dragging players out of the shower because they thought that was the right thing to do, when it's probably one of the worst things you can do. Um, you had Cole uh, having to go to, to hospital with, with hypothermia and stuff like that. Your players were. Their feet were still uh, in extreme pain and stuff like that. Like so, it was just, it was just a minefield. Like you know, and it was just. But I think if it was to happen anywhere, you'd want it to happen uh, in Tallis Stadium with uh, the resources and the the medical area that we have there. It allowed us to to do the best possible, um, to have the best possible control and help for the players as you possibly could. Like so, we were really lucky. Like you know, um, but. It, it was it was crazy like it was it was just it was just like the world west like it just went from one one player to the next player to the next player you were just concerned about uh everything that was going on and um it was yeah it was crazy times um, and then obviously you have the pandemic where it just shuts everything down after the cabin Tealy game we knew obviously going into the cabin Tealy game that the, some of the stuff that was coming out in the news at the time that wasn't looking too good like so 
we never emphasise that it'll be the last game we play, but we emphasise that maybe we might be shutting down for a couple of weeks just to uh, to get control. But we wouldn't have we wouldn't have suspected that we would have been shut down, nor did anybody until August. Like you know. And the season itself, uh, certain players have obviously been singled out for praise. Brandon Cabana has scored some spectacular goals this season. Doesn't seem to score ordinary goals. Uh, Sinclair moved abroad. Kevin Zeffi yeah. has some spectacular performances, and then Sam, of course, uh, breaking the record for youngest player. Yeah, like. The season was kind of, you're kind of like, you, you just don't know what to anticipate really when the season was started. Like, we went to we went for in our first game and uh, we were probably quite, you know, sceptical about, you know, uh, how to set up. Like, we, we probably, it was probably the only game that we throughout the whole season that we set up quite defensively uh, to be kind of, you know, um, without trying to play the brand of football that we really wanted to play. Like, but... We lost the game 2 0 down there, and uh, we decided straight straight after the game that that was the last time we, we would set up that way because we, there was no need for us. We had nothing to fear against um, any of the teams. Like you know, uh, Longford were a good side, like with good experienced players. Like, but there was enough shown in the game and moments in the game where we actually felt that uh, we we don't need to hold the players back here. We need to we need to let them go and we need to let them express themselves properly and we need to try and. Uh, encourage them to play the the, the right way. Like so, um, um, it was it, it was a great learning curve for us all. Like, but as the season goes on, like you're seeing players that are getting those opportunities and taking them, and young players like you say, like Brandon Cabinet, uh, getting uh, who would obviously find it difficult to to get uh, game times in the fourth team at the, when when they've obviously had the season that they've had, and and the players in the attacking areas are are so effective. Like so. For Brandon to come down and and to play in the fourth division will be good for his development, no matter what way you look at it. And to see him uh, score the type of goals that he scored, and to go on the run that he, he did towards middle to the end of the season, and and uh, be so effective for us, um, it's great for Brandon as well, and uh, it's great for for any of the young players really. Like you speak about Sam Courtis and stuff like that. Like I know, like there's been a bit of a reaction to to Sam being so young, like but. Sam, there was no doubt whatsoever to to uh, to be able to play Sam, and we we'd always pencil in around that at long game at home for to give Sam his opportunity, um, and I think to uh, for him to go and play that game as well as he did, he was deserving to play the week after in Cove, which anybody knows like Cove away is going to be a difficult battle, and um, so that was the belief that we had in him that he was okay to go and play that game, and I thought he was I thought he was outstanding down in, in Cove. Um, to put in the performance and the level headedness of of a fourteen year old to be able to go and do that at that time like was was exceptional. But there's been loads throughout. Like you know, we've had players that have really stepped up and, and shown their qualities, and uh, we hope that obviously that that opportunity is there for us again to do it uh, uh, next season when we, we feel that we have players that are prepared to, that have learned from this year and will progress again next year um, uh, if the opportunity arises. As far as you know, where do we stand next season for entering a, a B team again in the first division? And do you see this as being something other clubs will now try in future? I think a lot of people probably had a uh, because we'd obviously done it in twenty fourteen, and we were never in the position uh, that we're in now to uh, to make it more sustainable and and really do it for the right reasons, which is what we are doing for us to give young players an opportunity. Um. I'm sure a lot of clubs 
outside would have looked at it and seen what we have done and are wondering whether it is a possibility for them but maybe it might suit them maybe their their age profile their squads or their budgets or whatever reasons they have might, might, may mean that they don't they don't need to do it like but um for ourselves and whether we, we, uh, where we're at right now uh we're obviously just waiting to i think we're just waiting to find out and see if it's uh if it's going to be done i think uh, it's well documented that uh, clubs were allowed to uh, outside clubs were allowed to apply for first division license and i think they're they're all probably just being reviewed at the moment so i'll just wait to wait to find out and hopefully we find out soon enough um, if it is a possibility and fingers crossed it is I don't know how much you want to say publicly about this it's up to you but were you disappointed by certain examples of pettiness shown against us by uh, other first division clubs uh, I, I probably wasn't surprised like you know like, and, and I'm not saying that against the clubs I'm just saying it like that um, it, that's that's just their prerogative like it, it never got to the stage where you're looking at clubs and you're saying uh, you're bringing anything that's dis- distracting you from what we're trying to do. Like you know, if that's what they wanted to do and if that's how they wanted to go about, it, that's fine. Like you know, um, it never affected us as players. Uh, we never tried to use it as a motivation with our players because uh, we don't, we didn't need to. Um, so it was just about letting our players go out and perform and and uh, try to win games, um, which was our main focus. Like so, it was never something that we used as a distraction or. or Try to use as a as a, a tool to beat other teams with, like you know, um, if that's how they want to go about their stuff, or if that's how they wanted to speak about it, or that's that's completely their own prerogative. Like it was, a, it was a, it was never a focus for us really. And even if we uh, weren't to have a, a Shamrock Rovers two next season, do you still feel there's a good enough pathway there for youngsters to come through to to have the next uh, Gavin Bazunu and Brandon Cavan? Look, like. Gavin and Brandon are really good examples because they're, they're the two really good talents with really good attitudes. Like so, um, it it is it does help. Like you know because obviously you can see the standard in Air Force team uh, is so high. Like so, um, it's as much about us trying to uh, to for the players to understand that you are going to get good opportunities here, which which we feel that they will if they are good enough. Like you say with Gavin or Brandon or. And you do their boys like so, um, and you've seen how well like Max Murphy has has done for the first team, scoring in Finn Harps and stuff. And uh, Darren Nugent has been on the bench uh, last number of times and has got some game time at different stages like so. Players will get opportunities here like if if they're prepared to work for it, uh, and uh, whether that's in the first division or whether that's in the in the first team, um, it's up to the players really to go and grasp. But we can only just get, provide. Uh, the opportunities that we can, whether that's going to be in the fourth division or whether that's in the in the seventeens or the nineteens, but uh, I don't think like players should just look at it. Uh, players should just look at it and and say where wherever they're playing football, whether that's the seventeens, whether that's in the fifteens or the thirteens, they have to do the best that they want to be. Like, and I've no doubt that if if uh, like we've had players that are in our seventeens that have been playing ahead of players that are in our nineteens in the fourth division team, like so. Um, it's up to the players to to show how good they want to be and how how prepared they are to work for it and how pre- how much they're prepared to sacrifice uh, at the right times. Like so, um, if they can if they can grasp it and if if they want to do it, it's there for them. 
whether that's in the nine teams or whether that's in the fourth division team or whether that's in the fourth team, it's completely up to them. But we just have to provide the opportunities for them to train and play football in the right environment. And that's what we're trying to do. And just a final note: if you, if you compare it to the setup back in two thousand six when you joined the club, I think we trained at Stanaway Park at one stage, yeah. something like that. Now we've got this base at Rollestone, three stands at Tata, Fort in the way. Yeah. It's incredible how much the club has grown since then. It's huge, it's huge and to be, like like you say, like we, we were training in Stanaway Park, uh, we were training in Crumlin, um, I'd bring the footballs home in the back of my car because we'd have to divvy out the gear at the end of training just to make sure that uh, we couldn't just have one person, not one person or coach could just have everything together, we didn't even have anywhere where we could store that kind of stuff. Um, so um, to come from there and to come from those experiences at the time, like you don't think about it because you know you just play, you're, you're getting the opportunity to play for Shamrock Rovers, and that should never be forgotten. Like you know, but uh, we're trying to do things to the best of our abilities, whether that's as you say with the training ground or with what's been done in Tallis Stadium. Everybody's trying to push to make things better, and uh, everybody just has to make sure whether that's players, coaches, or whatever that uh, they're trying to do their best to be part of that because. Um, Shamrock Rovers obviously isn't going to wait, it's going to keep trying to get better and it's going to try to be sustainable and we have to make sure that we're, we're getting players into the force team um, and the force team obviously have shown how successful they are being at that time so there's loads of opportunities and there's loads of development uh, within the players that we've seen like you know like and to have a full run, a full functioning academy um, since 2014 or 2015 like has been has, has come on so much um, so I, I would never have emphasised I probably never would have emphasised to be part of that at the time in 06 because you're just concentrating on your playing like, but I get I get as much if not more satisfaction from uh, from coaching here as I did from playing like, and that's just probably because you, you have the affiliation with the club and the love for the club that you're just delighted to be part of it in any way like, and we have an awful lot of volunteers and uh, supporters that uh, give an awful lot of time to be part of the academy and to be part of the, the club, whether that's on match day in the stadium for the first team or whether that's up here on training nights and stuff like that because they have that same love and that same feeling that they want to be part of the club and they want to help the club in any which way they can and they want to see the next Gavin Bazoon or they want to see the next Brandon Cavanagh coming through and they want to be able to feel that they're part of that and that's a massive thing for them as well because, you know, they deserve that, that, that uh that recognition but they just want to do it for the right reasons and the right reasons just to improve Shamrock Rovers and that's what everybody wants to do so to see the club going where they're going from off the pitch and then hopefully we can keep progressing uh, uh, in the underage teams on the pitch and then the success of the force team uh, brings the standards up for everybody um, because the players know they have to to get to push themselves to get into that force team and then yeah, so it's re it's been a really good time, and we just have to make sure that we keep we keep pushing it in the right direction. Uh, whatever, however small you're helping or however big you're helping, we all just have to make sure that we're doing it to the best of our ability. So that was Ado. Great stuff from Ado. Um, some pass through the ball, wasn't he, Prof, from that? The accurate pass to Twig. Are you talking about the first derby? That launcher. Oh yeah, that was an accurate accurate pass. He meant every every. He's claiming that assist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had Ado and Johnny Blues before with Andy Moyler. Another current first division manager at UCD. Uh, so that was kind of that was our, we did have a two thousand six show before, but there's your your short term interview, I suppose, for
for our uh, Player of the Year series. Yeah, we've had loads on the show so far. We've had Robbie Gaffney, Alan Campbell, Mick Bourne, Alan Bourne, Tony Cousins, Tony O'Dowd, Shane Robinson, Alan Price, Darren McGuire, Stephen Rice, Craig Sives, Gary Shaw and Lee Grace. How did Craig Sives clear up the pronunciation of that? We were saying it wrong the whole time. I was only thinking about this earlier. And what was it again? Was uh, it Sives? Uh, Sives. Sives. It's not Sives. It's si- oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to listen back. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So That's, that was that. So still plenty of people we can uh, still interview who won that award. So our series continues. Uh, that chat with Ado that was actually lifted from the documentary, which I have a bit of an update on. Oh, lovely! You like this? Someone got in touch with me. A chap by the name of Owen O'Connor. Okay. And how funny is this? Himself and Ed Leahy. Don't know if you know Ed. I know. I heard that name. He works for RTE. He's a Rams uh, fan, isn't he? Yeah. Owen works for IT as well. He's the cameraman, and he's often done. He often does the camera work at the the Late Late Show. Oh yes. So he was telling me that he often has had to miss games on a Friday night, or he'll get to them late or something because of the late late. But so Owen and Ed had an idea back in two thousand eight. And what do you think it was? This. It was this. No way. The Robbers' homeless story from Milltown to Tala. So they actually recorded some footage. And he got some great footage of the ground in 2008 when it was still just Bare and broken. Just a field and yeah. weeds everywhere and a shell of a stand. He got footage of an AGM from that year. He got footage of the Cork game, which I think was oh, the Joey yes. and Doe show. What? So he's got this excellent footage. But they ended up not going ahead with the, the project. So he's actually giving it to me now. Oh, yes. Excellent. Yes, that's probably the footage yeah. you were trying to buy in the archives. Not the exact... The archive's looking for more newsreels and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas he's actually given me... Like, at one stage, he just holds the camera on the turnstile at Talca Park. And you just see all these familiar faces coming really? in. Like, it's the sort of footage you badly want. For Reeling in the ears type stuff. That's absolutely excellent. Yeah, so I had a good chat with Alan. And uh, he, he loves the podcast. And he has a suggestion for our next guest. Go on. One of his favourite players. Who, as it happens, did win Player of the Year. So it's a good suggestion. Have we got, Prof? Vinny Arkins he wants. Vinny Arkins, yes. He was a bit of a cult figure, wasn't he? He won it in 1989-90. So Vinny, we'll, be have yeah. to, we'll have to track him down. Yep. Uh, I don't know if this is a piss take or not next, but uh, Joey O'Brien, Irish Catholic magazine. That's That happened. <laughs> this, this happened? I've seen the screenshots. Joey's an avid mask or so. <laughs> uh, what, what were they talking about? Um. I think, if I recall correctly, it was hard to read on uh, on Robert's chat. What's, your fav- the what's his favourite Sam? I don't know if the picture quality is good enough for me to actually read it now. But I'm trying to think back. But, um, yeah, he was in Irish Catholic magazine. I'm going to have to find that. Yeah, I'll have to dig it up now again. By the way, Joey set to be part of our under-15s coaching setup next yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Noel O'Brien is looking forward to working with him. <laughs> Starting to fulfil the prophecy. That we have of him being a future Robert's yeah. senior manager. Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that, right? We're trying to hold on. Oh, do you know what? As well, actually, you know that we're talking about managers. Um, we were we predicted that it was possible that if Brazo was going to leave, the the Cardiff connection that McPhail has could could lure him away. So well, the, the fake, McCarthy's after getting that job now. The fake McCarthy's going in there because we were we were talking about um, 
that being a potential situation. So because yeah. they were doing terribly and they sacked their gaffer. So was Mick Ron- McCarthy gone in there? Was it Ron and Finn the other day? Sort of uh, building up Brad's were saying he could go yeah. on to emulate Michael Neal. Yeah, we were saying uh, maybe we should shut up Ronan. Yeah. So yeah, that was it, and yeah, Joey and the Catholic, Joey and the Catholic, uh, the Catholic Irish magazine. So check that one out. So great to see um, hoops keep goalkeeping legend Eamon Sheila Darcy uh, picture on the front cover of his local area newspaper receiving the vaccine. So uh, the good good news there, and an interview. Uh, Peter Eccles on the forty two Peter was on the show. Yeah, the only man to win five league medals at Rovers. Oh. He also went into detail on something that happened to him he was in Paris in 2016 for that terrorist attack which killed a lot of people was that the one in Bataclan was it I don't remember what part of it was but I think it, it was, was it might have been Bataclan I think that, I think I'm getting the name right in a, a, a gig no it was the one where someone was driving a van oh yeah and they just rammed a lot of people and it was absolutely chaos I think it was something like 130 nine deaths and Peter was uh, a witness to this and he was very lucky to survive him and his family were over there what and uh, we actually knew I think I I sent you a text about this the day you came on the show we were aware of this because there was an interview with him in the paper about but we didn't end up asking about him yeah I think we decided not to we weren't sure whether we should yeah yeah and he even said in the interview in 42 that it still affects him now. He's still kind of handsome. It would be, wouldn't it? It's yeah. That type of thing that would linger in your that's, mind. That's it? a very scary thing. Uh, some good news. Rovers announced contract renewal. So Greener, Watts, Faruja Lopez, Joey O'Brien, Leon Pauls and Alan Manis all sticking around. So uh, very, very good news. We have Graham Bork's five goal haul in February's 6-0 home win versus Cork City is listed in today's Irish Times 20 sporting moments. Of 2020, that's pretty cool. What where did it? What number did it finish, or did did they rank it? I was just random. I don't know if it was rankings, but uh, why why that one and not like Dundalk three two? I don't know. Scoring five goals is just a bit of an achievement, isn't it? I don't know. What, what's the what's the spectacular thing about the three two? It's just a three two game. It was one of the best games of our generation. True, true, yeah. Record crowd at Tada. Yeah, they're not going to give us any props for that, are they? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, an interview with Chris McCann said he's not uprooting his family again, so he'll commute from England. Uh, That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, his son is in the Man City Academy. That is very interesting. So, obviously makes more sense for him not to bring the family over. But, um, yeah, this this is a first. When you, so, commuting is... So, what's he going to do? He's going to... We train every day. So, let's say they have the Wednesday off, don't they? So, he'll go home maybe Tuesday after training. Back that flying back for the weekends. Oh, she have to train every every Thursday, Friday. I I don't know. I think his schedule may have been mentioned in the article, but um, if you saw the picture of our twenty twenty one squad, we have nine midfielders. Now that we're moving uh, Cavo, but kind of misleading because one is Ferruja, who can play wing back. Who would play wing back? Ah, he's a wing back. Yeah, if, he's on the left. If he gets in ahead of Cabo, let's say. And two of them are Nugent and Murphy, who are still pretty young. Yeah. And McCann can play left back or centre back. So, the whole joke about Rovers have you know a million centre midfielders. If you kind of break it down, 
you still still have a probably too much competition in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not as crazy as it might seem on the surface. Ed Saul was once again fantastic, Prof. Um, he was on the podcast just after Christmas, and there was no surprise there. He's a he's a radio voice, isn't he? He's a voice for radio or face for radio, as they say. <laughs> That's what I said to you. He has, actually has a great. Radio he does, voice. doesn't he? Yeah, newscaster. So the Friday Rings End are sponsoring two Rings End natives, Sean Cavanagh and Sean Gannon again. So. Uh, that's another quick plug as well. You get your sponsorships in. We're going to be going with Dino. Are we doing Dino again? Yeah, we're doing Dino again. Might as well stick with him. So Dino's away, kid. By the way, Ed Saul's son, his name is Riley. Ah, oh, there we go. It's a great name. Super name, isn't it? Conor Cairns, prof. He has gone to Galway. It's a good move from... And wish him all the best. Um, it's what he needs. He needs He needs regular football. Yeah. And, and, and a great chance to get him promoted, like he did with UCD. He, he mustn't have embraced the work. A pat. You have to embrace the work. You have to embrace the what a fucking villain. Um yeah, so he's got uh he's it's it's good to see him go to a professional and full time setup now, you know, considering the amateur <laughs> crap he was involved with last year. There were a few sly digs, weren't there? A few little sly uh, digs. He there. said he he called it a step up. And <laughs> apparently he said that he's happy to be working with a manager with experience now. Yeah, I think he's right. In, I think he's in right. John Caulfield. Caulfield, you know. You saw Brendan Clark go to Shelburne and he had these similar veiled remarks, didn't he? Bill yeah. Bill O'Donnell. Uh Kevin Horgan's still there, so they'll be competing for the number one jersey. Oh, I don't think there's much of a competition there considering he hasn't got a neck. <laughs> He's still gonna have a neck. Uh, as you say, uh, best luck to Connor. Uh really hope it as well. Must have some Galwegian grannies up there. Yeah, I'm trying to convince him and Carl Cairns and the rest of the instrument playing hoops out there to start a cover band so uh, that's that's next on the list I think Connor's a bit of a rhythm guitarist so we've had Galway Girl now we'll have Galway Granny Galway Granny <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, some ex-hoop news Craig Hoyle has signed for Glenavon and their manager said any goalkeeper that's playing for Shamrock Rovers has to be good <laughs> <laughs> oh god that, that is quote of the century. Actually, reads like a parody. Quote, quote of the century. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's genuinely funny. You just read that and you're like, um, should I tell them or will you? Straight tell them? off the bat, you could name three. Like, so uh, QPR director of football, Les Ferdinand, has already given Sinclair Armstrong a two-year contract extension, and he was only a couple of months in there. So impressed in the 18, scoring goals, assists. So he's doing well. Good mm-hmm. to see him. Uh, former, I think former Escar player. So, well done to Sinclair, and hopefully he kicks on. Car Shepard retired, prof. Um, does people forget his backheader against Bowles? That was a brilliant goal. Do you remember that? He backheaded. Oh, it was in Tala. I think Gabaga swung it from the left and Tala into the square end, and he he fucking backheaded it like it was brilliant. Was that when he scored like six headers in a row? Yes, he was told that season he had to improve his heading. Michael O'Neill says you need to improve you need to score with your head he was actually in great form I think mm. he scored in Greece as well didn't he yep the header um, he was excellent with us at one stage remember when he came back now he didn't I got him to move to Reading I think yeah after Reading came back to us he didn't do much he did score those two goals at Oriel Park the turnaround in the cup mm. should have really led on us on to win the cup but uh, didn't bit of a Bit of a journeyman career, I suppose. He was successful with Cork. Mm. But uh, he'll always have a place in my heart for the, the million euro dive. Ah, yes. Definitely. Definitely. Um, up next, Prof, we have Sam Bowen. Sam Bowen. What's the 
needs calcium. <laughs> uh, he went to St. Pat's. Sean Boyd joined Shelbourne. I didn't know Boyd went to Shelbourne. Mm-hmm. I'm delighted for him. Delighted for Boyd. Hopefully it kicks on and he stays injury free. Speaking of Sean Boyd, only a few days ago, uh, the Brads are the Brads are cast. It hit a thousand listens. So for a good three weeks there, the listenership to the Brazzercast was still behind the Sean Boyd episode mm. from the summer. That's because he listened to it. What was the build that episode? times he listened to it, that's why. <laughs> so the Brazzercast is now our most listened to show since the cup final specials, the cup final that we won. Uh, Sean Callum and goalkeeper Keen Clark signed for Bray Wonders too. So we, we pretty much do have a B team. It's just Bray. Yeah. Uh, Keane played six games in the fourth division last year and Brandon Kavanagh will join them on loan. So, uh, Keane Clark, I thought he was a bit of a prospect, no? There would have been a time where I would have said I'd rather Keane Clark be the understudy mm. to uh, Alan Manus. But uh, obviously Liam Pauls yeah. now is our, number two, our, our backup. Mm, and he's signed an extension as well. Uh, Kevin Zeffi, prof, going to Inter. Well, what do you think of Brando, first of all? Because uh, I expected this. I, 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 you said something during the week, and it, it hit home. Is that Max Mor? Was it Max Murphy and, and Nugent. Nugent are in the first team squad more than him, and they're still playing B team games. So what's mm-hmm. going on there? Like, do you know what I mean? What's the issue if where you, he's not in the first team and they are? Yeah, if you look at our last nine, ten games of the season, it was always Nugent and Murphy on the bench and not Cavill. So to me that was a sign yeah uh, Thomas Alua joined Bowes um, and Zeffi is going to Inter uh, the Inter thing I still haven't seen Kevin Zeffi play only only a little bit really and um, joining Inter it's huge isn't it last Irish yeah. last Irish footballer to join Inter Milan Robbie Keane no I don't think so isn't it it was Craig Walsh wasn't it remember football's next star didn't he sign for them and they come home did he actually sign for them I or was that just did. a competition I think he did I think he got homesick or something I'm not too sure but um, Conor McCormick at the was it Tristina yeah yeah that was cool uh, Tom Salua joined the Bowes and he was offered a contract as well so he was offered a contract by us mm. he went to Bowes so uh, I'm sure the fans will have some lovely superlatives for him uh, Bowes signed Ali Coot and Bastian Eri that is a good sign and two of those signings are very good let's be honest two very good signings for Brazzer in 2023. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Our feeder club. Um, yeah, so they got uh, they got Adi they got Eli, and they got a climate justice officer up front. Uh, I don't know what to say. Like, what's he like? Is he just going to be changing light bulbs and stuff like that, and just their carbon footprint? You know, improving that. Well, they're going to save the world. The balls. Yeah. Uh, Evan Ferguson left for Brighton, and this guy you were impressed with, Prof. In the 17s final, yeah, absolutely. He, he stood out big time on, on the pitch. His, his, did you ever see his goal? No, yeah, never, the, the, the back see flick. never got a chance. Yeah, that was outrageous, in fairness. But the memes were out in force, weren't they, for um, the old climate justice officer? Yeah, it was one of the funniest things I've seen. I think the funniest fo- photo was the team, <laughs> the ball team lifting the plant. Yeah. <laughs> They're all celebrating with it. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Gre- Greta in a beard. Yeah. Oh, the recycling memes. Uh, brilliant tweet from uh, Peter Farrell. He said, uh, Shamrock growers have been docked nine points for putting empty yogurt containers in the black bin. <laughs> uh, there, was some, there was some funny ones. I think someone said, uh, it looks like he was plucked out of a Slipknot gig. <laughs> <laughs> B- 
Bow, bows are there to be laughed at, yeah. as the saying goes. But uh, does this mean that we we now have to be on the side of global warming? Yeah. Because we are at conflict now with this. Well, I think like we we will probably have some sort of initiative soon. Something similar, but I don't think we'll be announcing it like we saw the striker like <laughs> Um I think like all these links Africa sets that we were given at Christmas, just dump them into the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> just like just spray them into the sky. <laughs> um Dundalk do science prof. We're gonna read out our nationalities. So yeah. So we have an Italian. A Faroese. A Serbian. Albanian. American. So Korean. Norwegian. Latvian. Uh, that's that's a lot. That's quite the dressing that's, room, isn't it? That's an eclectic mix. That's a lot of tongue there. Uh, so what's so what's going to happen with? Sure, surely they're going to struggle to get the message across, like, with, with in English, if they don't speak it, like. Want to be like a translator in the dressing room? Yeah, so they're going to get a translator in. I don't want to jinx anything because Dundalk could easily have a very good season. Yeah, but this, they're taking a lot of shots. They're taking a lot of risks signing those players there. Like. But unknown quantities there. What's the chances of all these different players blending in the first season at the first attempt under a novice manager? I I think it's like we don't want to say too much. I not. I wouldn't be confident if I was a Dundalk fan. Put it that way. This is this is re- this is the first Dundalk year post Kenny realistically, because the team that Vinnie Perth won the league with was identical to Kenny's team. Yeah. Bar Stephen O'Donnell, he retired. I wouldn't say there was much work to do there for Perth. Put it that way. No. So this this is this is realistically the first post Kenny Dundalk season. There's a lot of risks there. Like, do do they know or any of these players are like like re- realistically? How have they gotten any scouting reports from the uh, for, of these players? A lot of them are journeymen, and they haven't played many games throughout their career. So, yeah. Um, yeah so Vinnie Perth recruitment. I've said this several times now. Was not. <laughs> Impressive. No. So it's all going to come down to uh, Filippo's recruitment now. Let's see what happens, yeah. Uh, Rovers and the Dogcroft took a war going on with Richie Tell, and uh, he actually came on for Salford the other night, so I don't know mm. what's happening. Um, He's been talking to both clubs. I, he's just going to take whoever gives the most money, unfortunately. That's just the way he is. If you get walked down the roadstone and you don't buy into what Brad's are wants, and you're not convinced by that, and you just want more money. He's posting these cryptic messages on Instagram. He's talking about finding a house in Black Rock, which could either be Black Rock and Loud or Black Rock and Dublin. Probably Loud. I think he's playing the game there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is it. Uh, it was revealed the FAI are paying loans of 100k of a month prof. That is insane. And uh, that's the thing. I mean, big payoff there for Robbie Keane. Funnily enough, I think that's been uh, negotiated with our new chairman. He's Robbie Keane's uh, agent, isn't he? Yeah. So he'll be negotiating that payoff. That's a strange one. It is. Um, Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's a lot of money. We had Artricity returning as sponsors for the league for the 2021 season. no Kentucky Fried Chicken, though. (laughs) No, the Chicken League. Uh, watch the LOI returns as well so we had those two bits of good news I excellent, suppose for yeah, the FAI stuff. So the, the, watch the LOI put out a survey of 20 questions but there was no field to actually write in your suggestions such as you know I I want replays in every game mm. I want highlights in every game and put Siobhan Madigan in the fucking sea <laughs> what? 
just dump her in there. Poor Siobhan. Jesus Christ, bro. You were an awful time. Awful time. I'm speaking for the nation there. Uh, Duffer and Alan Kelly left Stephen's backroom team at Ireland. Uh, Duffer's useless anyway, so no, no <laughs> loss there. Alan Kelly left, so it's falling apart all around him. He's going to get paired then, I'd say. Can he get paired? Imagine paired in Ireland. It's a bit of a mess, though, isn't it? It is a mess. Losing two key members of his, his staff all over video gates, apparently. Well, apparently Duff's gripe is more so with the FBI itself. Yeah. He, he likes having an issue with it. He loves Kenny. If you if you go back to his interview when he joined Kenny, he said the only reason I'm taking this job is because of my admiration for Kenny. And you got and you got Adam Kelly who's been in this job. What? Like a I wouldn't be too concerned with that one because he's part, he would have been part of Forger there, and he would, he's not one of Kenny's men. Really, he's there he? over twenty years, I'd say. He's not he's not one of Kenny's stu- not stooges, but you know what? Kenny probably isn't too. Push that he's gone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too bothered with that. Um, all going well. The draw of the Champions League will take place in June with the first leg of our qualifier, sixth or seventh of July. So this is my target to get a f- first game back in with both sets of fans. That's what I'm predicting. Is away in Europe. Is when we'll experience our first, you know, real game back. So you think whatever country we're in. Will allow I'm hoping a few hundred spectators, yeah. whereas still, even by then, you reckon Tala might not allow a couple of hundred? Yeah, I don't think we'll have our shit together. I don't no. have any faith in our government, so. But in saying that, you don't know where we're going to draw. But that's that's a prediction. It's more hopeful than anything. But UEFA rules are different, though, aren't they? It's more hopeful than anything. Like, I, if you remember last um, last year, we were playing, uh, what, the, the Finnish team? Ilves? Yeah. And we were watching highlights on YouTube and they had fans in the ground. Yeah. But the UEFA competition rules were behind closed doors. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it depends, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Could be scuppered there. but uh, Some info on our European campaign next year. With the introduction of the new Europa Conference competition, it brings in a raft of changes, including the fact that there's no chance that Dundalk, Bohemians or Sligos will partake in the EuroLeague next year. I didn't know that. Yeah, you, you probably saw this a few weeks ago. This was an explanation of the the European format. It was doing the rounds in the WhatsApp groups. But it's it's interesting, so I'll have a listen. Uh, non-champions route, Bowes, Dundalk and Sligo Rovers. So that's... Um, so what, they go in? They go into this conference league, is it? Yeah. Straight away. That's it? Okay. Yeah. So firstly, the easy bit. Bowes, Dundalk and Sligo Rovers will enter the conference at the first qualifying round and must navigate through four rounds to reach the group stages so defeat at any point sends them out of the European competition so you lose you're gone and this route does include it does include um, you've got to meet opposition from Portugal Holland Belgium Russia as early as round two with a Spanish Italian German English and French team joining in the playoff round for 17 group places available from this route so that is a that's tough Straight away, round two. So you go through so, one round. Nearly impossible yeah. for a League of Ireland club to go through those four rounds, given the level of opposition there. So champions, Shamrock Rovers, right? Uh, as champions, we will enter into the Champions League four wins away from the group stages. So immediately straight out the bat, four wins away. Defeat in the opening Champions League game would see them drop into the conference at the second qualifying round. With three rounds required to reach the group stages, that means we'll be facing a team from Portugal, Holland... 
Belgium or Russia. Mm-hmm. So when we if we do lose the Champions League game, we drop into that second round facing a tough team. Um, and then we will go on to their opponents in the first two rounds will be against teams who dropped out of the Champions League at the same round with their playoff tie that would be against a national champion who progressed one round further in the Champions League. So it's uh, it is tough. Oh, it's, this is tough all round. So a victory in the opening Champions League game, however, is a much healthier situation for the hoops. So we win our first Champions League game. It opens up the possibility of inclusion into the Europa League for that season as well as the fallback of the Europa Conference as a further safety net. So I think winning the first game is essential. That's everything. It's everything. Because you win that, you, you fall back into the Europa League, I think, from what it's saying there. Yeah, you can. You probably listen. Have to listen to that twice. Uh, so yeah, Jack Bourne, classy good boy on Instagram, and the tribute from the club was emotional to say the least. So Jack has done it. Mm. He's. It's not exactly the ideal start for from Applewell. Gaffer oh. that brought him over gets sacked, and he's not in the squad for one or two games. I think he came on today for half an hour. Um, he's got he's got his work cut out from now to get into the team. Now that the Mick is gone, so it was actually hard to watch that video. It's amazing, wasn't it? If you watch back on what he's done, like yeah. his highlight reel is absolutely I'm, stunning. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> yeah. But as someone said, 50 direct goal involvements in 64 games. Absolutely insane. So literally the same night Jack made his debut, <laughs> Gaffer gets sacked. McCarty was sacked the same night he made his debut. So four defeats. Uh, that chairman's a head case, isn't he? Is the chairman or is the club? Because they've had six managers in two years. They've had 12 managers in five years. It's, it has to be the chairman, doesn't it? Because I was reading online and they were all, all the fans were giving out about So it's bound to be the chairman. And Cross the Joke was... And um, he was the one in the photo with him, wasn't he? He was the one who signed him. Yeah. Maybe just be, maybe a common thing to do with clubs in the, on the continent. But the joke was then that we got Jack back on loan in time for the Champions League. Yeah. That's it. Makes sense. Uh, he's, he's, he got the number 29 shirt at Applewell and he was on the programme cover as well. So... I mean, I don't know. Mick McCarthy wasn't going to play great football. No. But he would have started Jack. Give him a chance. Give the manager a chance. How long was yeah. he there? Months? A couple of months? That's all you get, that club. It's crazy. He knew what he was in for, surely. Got a play. So that's, he's, he's quids mm. in now. A few quid there, a few quid off the FAI. And then he's got the Cardiff job. <laughs> we'll all be on the, uh, the, the dodgy Cypriot streams. That's it, yeah. But um, and uh, yeah, prof. So you wouldn't believe it that Mick actually got the Cardiff job. So that's a good thing. I'm happy with it. I'm happy. He's basically the new Sven Goran Eriksson. No, it's unbelievable. Two massive payouts. You got a million from the FEI. You got a million from Applewell. And a new job within. And walking straight into a, a weekly week. wage. A weekly wage now of thousands. How about this quote from Audio Brian? Who's is his, who's his agent? Audio Brian, this is a this is a builder. If you fed him the Liffy, he'd come out with a fresh suit on him. <laughs> He's the man, yeah. Perfect analogy. Um yeah, so next up we have a bit of a serious uh a bit of a serious one because just considering the Roy's and cases and stuff like that, we thought we'd uh, we'd actually talk to a frontline worker and season ticket holder, Africa Mali. She's um She's a frontline nurse, so we thought we'd get the, the lowdown on how she's been coping with this and she's been on the front line all the way across since the since the pandemic started. So it's just, I, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people not really taking it seriously now. 
and I just thought, do you know what? We need to hear from somebody who's actually on the front line and and how serious it is for them. So we we chat about Afric. Okay, so I'm here with Afric O'Malley, and it's uh, another edition of Tales from the East End. So Afric, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're going to get straight into it. So tell us how long you're following Rovers and how you got into the hoops. Um, so my dad has always been a Rovers fan. Um, ever since he was a child, they've always gone to all League of Ireland matches. He was going to drums matches, shells matches, but he always went to Middletown. And so I kind of got into it through him. Um, and even just for, I don't know when I kind of got hooked. It was always just, they were always mentioned in the house and for whatever, like I have two brothers who wouldn't have as much of an interest, but for whatever reason, it just stuck with me. And I'd follow them, whether it just be like seeing them in the newspaper, just, I just kind of started to follow them and it was kind of just gradual over time. Um, and then as I got a little bit older and was kind of able to go to matches and stuff, I kind of then got, I suppose, hooked. Um, but when we, arrived at Tala, I suppose that was when it kind of cemented it all. It was more accessible for us to go to matches every week as soon as they got to Tala. Yeah. Um, but it was through my dad that I got interested. Can you remember your first game? No, I actually can't remember my first game. I know that I went, like, I kind of went here and there. I, I didn't go regularly until, like, Tala became every week. But um, I have cousins who are Pats fans. I have Shells fans. I have Sligo fans and family. So I kind of started going to random matches as well as Rovers matches. Um, and then as soon as we got to Tala, it was kind of every week. But like I remember being in Richmond, watching Rovers and Pats and that kind of thing. So it was just kind of, yeah, it was just kind of a gradual build up. And then when we got to Tala, like I was still in school when we got to Tala, but it just became that bit more easier. It's not that far from where we're from. So yeah, I was able yeah. to go every week and then, yeah. Any favorite players or away trips down the years? Um, Favourite players, this was the first player that I really yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of liked was like when I was kind of started to realise how much I kind of enjoyed following them was Tyg Purcell. <laughs> um, and, but then over the years, I suppose Ronan Finn has always been a favourite, Enda Stevens is a favourite, obviously Twig. Um, and then in the last kind of two years, Jack Byrne, obviously, probably one of the best players a lot of us have ever seen played for Rovers, but yeah. Um, away, I guess was White Hart Lane. Obviously, in terms of European matches, I don't think there's ever been a day like that. But I don't. Know, I just I enjoy going to all of the games. Um, for some reason, I have. I think maybe it's because a lot of my family also follow Pats. Like I do enjoy going to Richmond. Yeah. yeah. Um, Talk is also a nice one to go to, just in terms of kind of memories and stuff. But yeah, no, I kind of go anywhere watching them. Mm. So March 19th is the kickoff date for the start of the season. Are you confident yeah. it'll go ahead? And do you think there's a way fans could be allowed into the grounds with social distancing? The argument at the minute would be that there is room for fans. I know this, uh, I mean, we, the virus is still rampant, but is there a way that you think could be a safe social distancing procedure in grounds? In Personally, I think March will be too soon for fans. Um. Obviously, I would love, like, I think a lot of Rover fans, a lot of football fans, I think the first thing, if you ask them what the thing they want to do when lockdown ends is go to the watch their team. Um, I personally don't see fans being let in in March. 
unfortunately. Um, I'd like to hope that numbers will be down enough that the league can start and that it will be behind closed doors, but and hopefully by summer maybe they'll be able to kind of filter fans through. Um, I suppose depending on I like it is at the moment it's hard to see just because numbers are so high. Yeah. I think the only way you can kind of start is I suppose by letting members in, letting season ticket in. Like, you know, it has to be done fairly, but at the moment I can't see a safe way, unfortunately, of letting yeah. people in. Uh, our most complete squad, in my opinion, that we've assembled. Um, do you think we can trim the fat or we can add a player or two? Is there anybody that you think we could we could cast away or do you think we could add another player or two? Um, I suppose the last few years we've always been looking for an out-and-out striker. Could always probably add up top. I'm um, very excited that Sean Cannon is back. Yeah. Have you anyone in mind for a striker? Is there anyone in the league that you'd fancy? God, I haven't put any thought in it now nothing nothing springs to mind yet but just somebody maybe to help Aaron Green like Aaron Green's great his work rate is brilliant and everything but just that always I feel like that always comes back to it it's always a striker the last few years and tell us your uh, something that we always ask fans tell us your best cup final memory of last year or the year before oh. what a day uh, so last year uh, or god it feels like it was two yeah. years ago um, I was on night duty and uh, for the cup final I was meant to be in that night so I managed to swap my shift so I finished my night shift I went home I slept for an hour and a half I got in the 15b got down to rings end um, and just as soon as like you're tired but as soon as I kind of walked over the bridge and got there and seeing all the Rovers fans and everything it just the buzz just kind of carried me through um, and it was just a great, great day. I suppose when the equaliser, like I think we were all so happy and then the equaliser, I think all of our hearts sank momentarily, but the penalty shootout, I think we all kind of felt like we would win and I don't know, it was just a great day. Uh, you're starting 11 in formation for this season, considering we've had a couple of, I think we'd have four in and four out. So yeah. uh, we, we have to accommodate a few players, but... No Jack yeah. Bourne and you're starting 11, so who, who's going to replace Unfortunately, him? yeah. Well, let's hope that um, Danny Manger, I mean, they talk about him so much in the Ireland squad um, and how key a player is. And I don't know what happened with Bowes last year, but hopefully he slots into and he does a job for us there. Um, I think I know Sean Gannon wasn't really getting into the Dundalk squad the last couple of months for whatever reason. But I think he's really, really solid. And I think he'll do great coming back to us. Um, yeah, Sean Hoare, I suppose, slot in as well. Um, Who would you start with? Um, that's, that's, uh, it's a big one, isn't it? The three at the yeah. back. I just, you know, I, knew, I can't see past Pico and O'Brien if O'Brien is staying fit, yeah. still in the centre. Um, and obviously Gannon coming in. Um, I'd to think Kavanaugh will stay fit as well. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of forget that Sean Hoare actually ever signed. I, I was never a huge fan, but um, let's hope he does well when he comes in. So off the field, uh, we've passed 500 members and there is more interaction between the board and fans. So we're a year on from the Dermot Desmond deal. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's safe to say it was the right choice. Did you, uh, well, what do yeah. you think? 
I absolutely, yeah, 100% agree. Um, so fundraising is huge at the moment, and we have been raising suicide. We've been raising funds for suicide awareness, and um, we've been doing a little bit for Hope. It's a drop-in center in Tala. Um, we've been raffling off boots. So we had a uh, we had with Gary O'Neill. We got rid of we three of his boots. We peak. I was cup final winning boots. We got loads of them. So a pal of mine is going to be running a certain amount of kilometers every day. So mm. he's going to like on the first day he ran one, second day he ran two, third day he ran three, and he's going to run thirty on the on the last day, twenty nine mm-hmm. on the twenty ninth day. So he's uh, he's finding it tough at the minute, but. That's the Hope Drop-In Centre. That's the name. They're, on, they're Hope Talent on the Instagram. So anyone listening, you can check them out and you can try and donate. So um, how's, your, how's your quiz knowledge? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I There's don't no know. quizzes now. We're, we're not going to hit you with a quiz, but that's what we're trying <laughs> to do at the minute. We're, we're trying to find a Beat the Chasers uh, mm. quiz at the minute. It's popular amongst Rovers fans. So... Um, that's what well, that's what we want to do. We want to try and get something that all the fans can participate in. So, yeah, yeah. have you any ideas for a fundraising or any anything online we can do at the moment? I I know that the quizzes like we've partaken in the quizzes online here, and I think they are the most. I think they're good fun, and I think they are the thing that most people get involved in. So, hundred percent. Um, if there's talk of a quiz, we'll be involved here anyway. Right. So, um. Frontline worker, and you're a nurse since day one of the pandemic. What, what, like, was that something you always wanted to do from a young age, or? Um, I knew I always wanted to work with people, so it was probably between teaching and nursing, um, and then, kind of after, maybe going down the teaching route, I decided no, I think I think this is what I want to do. So it wasn't my out and out first choice, but as soon as I started, I knew that that's what I was going to do. And uh, how long have you been a nurse? And what, what what would you say to people who ultimately think it's a hoax or that the virus isn't as serious as as, as it is? Um, well, I've been a nurse for four years now, um, going on four years. And we've had plenty of people in through the years with different illnesses, different sicknesses, different respiratory symptoms, um, illnesses. But I I have never seen anything like this before and you know people denying it or people saying it's only flu or they don't mind if they get it because they'll shake it off like it's so much more than that and there's people dying numbers as you can see are through the roof Um, and people deny I I don't know at this stage how you can still deny it especially you know the first time around um people mightn't have known somebody who had the virus. They mightn't have heard of anybody in their circle or any, you know, there was people just hadn't really, it was kind of frontline workers that were mostly getting it. But I think if you ask people nearly a year on during this wave, do they know anyone that's had it or is suffering from it? A lot more people seem to know. Somebody that's in a lot more people's circles, it's a lot more prevalent in the community. Um, So I I don't know how people can deny it at this stage exactly this situation that we were in with our whatsapp group and our circle is that pretty much nobody knew anybody who had been involved with the virus at all or mm-hmm. had it and now at this stage just a couple of lads have had it like we we, we know a co- nearly everybody knows someone who has had it so we, you're, you're bang on the money there um the rising cases have been worrying do you think the christmas period was to blame or the government they pretty much encourage social visits really yeah. um 
I think it was like Christmas was always going to I think even from months ago people were kind of predicting that Christmas is a time that people want to see family they want to see friends and especially like it's really it's crap not being able to see anybody um so people kind of were banking on Christmas and so it was always going to be I suppose the time that maybe like we probably thought that numbers would go a little bit I don't think anyone could have predicted how rampant it became um and I think you know people for the most part are trying to do their best so they've been following guidelines but if you're told you can go out if you're told you can open up like obviously the economy is suffering huge if you're told you can open your restaurant you can have this amount of people in people are going to go people are yeah. going to open up people for the most part didn't do anything wrong and they did what they were technically allowed to do but I suppose like I was in town myself at the start of um December um finishing my Christmas shopping and I couldn't get over the amount of people in town but at the same time what were they doing wrong they were allowed to go out they were allowed to you know most people wearing masks um but I remember being shocked that this is you know obviously the government a lot of people probably myself included have kind of lost confidence with what they're putting out um obviously it went against what the public health advice was going but nobody really did technically anything wrong they went out they socialized as being told they could um, but we all know that it has added up and it is what's kind of made these case numbers go up so you guys on the ground floor at the the coal face you could say you're on the on the front line and what the government are putting out you just think to yourself what are they doing like is that is that pretty much it it's at odds with all the the people who are on the on on the front yeah. line battling it. Yeah, it's very hard. Like the first wave, um, people were kind of praising the government a lot more for how they'd handled it. And do you know, like it is all completely unknown. We've never had a virus like this before. Nobody, like from medical staff to you know people doing the testing, contact tracing, everything. All this is new. So people are trying the rest. And for the most part, I think the country did kind of react quite well to it all um, but do you know at the start of it all hearing the government saying the hospitals aren't overwhelmed like the first wave we were it was really really busy and I think people only you know, people are very supportive of um, nurses and doctors when we were striking probably two years ago or something people were really supportive but I don't think unless you're working there you've no idea which is fair enough why would you know um, but I think when that TV there was a documentary that came out in James's, I think Virgin Media or something did it, and people saw what we were actually kind of dealing with. Um, and that kind of put it into people's minds, you know, to stay at home, to... But I don't know why that message is somewhat lost, and I don't know if it's kind of... I don't know if it's because numbers are rising and people are kind of getting fed up, they're wondering where we're going, and there doesn't seem to be any real plan from our government, which obviously is inciting panic as well but yeah. from somebody on the front line like obviously I can only speak for myself but I've never seen anything like it at the moment and just urging people to follow the message you know stay at home unless you really need to wear your mask keep your social distancing your hand washing everything just it, it, it is repetitive and I understand people working from home and people cooped up not seeing anybody like it's really hard but the most caring thing you can do at the moment is stay away from people. Just stay in your own little bubble. Don't be going into yeah. people's houses. Don't be, because 
ultimately that's what's going to help the hospital like the hospitals are chaos at the moment it's what's going to help public health it's going to help everybody um but i think even though i'm speaking for myself i think it could speak for most hospitals across the country when i'm pleading with people to stay at home yeah and what is there anything in particular that really annoys you about the whole situation like the anti-mask brigade those headbangers they'd be one of the, the big things that yeah. really annoy me now i yeah i've i've no time for that kind of thing like i wouldn't even i don't acknowledge like i just wouldn't a lot of the like it, i suppose there's good things and bad things with social media but you know i've seen people share completely uneducated um articles about like why you don't need to wear a mask or anti-vax and all all this kind of stuff i just wouldn't give it any airtime at all i just would plead with people to like scientists and medical people they're the ones that actually know you know the hsc is going off medical and scientific advice and proven facts it's all i can like just go by that not uneducated articles that just pop up on facebook Is it is it easy to turn off at home when you're off work? Like it must drain you physically and mentally. And this this is yeah. something that people don't really realise is that sometimes you just can't turn off when you go home. And mm. it, it would it drain um, you mentally? It can do. And I know that I'm probably I'd say I'm very annoying at the moment. I, you know I I see people doing things and it's. Like I'm a very patient person and my patience is being tested at this point. Do you know it's been a year and I just it can be hard to switch off because when you see things or you hear things and going against advice and then you just think, you know, work is gonna be even more chaotic now. It, it can be hard, but kind of learnt now over the ten months or whatever it's been. Um, you can't really control people if like you can did you know if a friend or somebody was doing something maybe you could kind of question it but you can't control people so you can only kind of go, like control yourself limit your own interactions and stuff so I've, in that sense in the last few months i've gotten a bit better i'm able to switch off but it, it can be very very irritating and you'd be at, you'd be at risk every day in your workplace i mean that's that's something that you're you're doing every day is going in and you're constantly at risk so does i mean does that play on your mind um yeah like I, I suppose we have quite high levels of PPE in that so I'm you know I trust that the people that I work with you know infection control and stuff I trust that they have our you kind of have to trust that they have you know our health and they're weighing up the risks of us every day so um like I'm confident with our PPE and stuff and we're so used to it now that it's okay but I myself contracted it at work in April um, and I was out for three weeks so I kind of know what this virus can do to people right. and um, how did you react to it? What, what were the effects with you were you were you really unwell or yeah I, I was in bed for three weeks um, and my uh, short of breath um, bit of a cough I was having temperatures but I started to feel unwell and I got into bed thinking I could sleep it off and I didn't get out for three weeks um and i'm fit i'm healthy i'm young and it's still got me and i think that's the message that people need to know as well that the virus is highly contagious anybody can get it any age any health status you know we've had people come in with comorbidities we have people come in with no health issues at all and all these people have been really really unwell yeah um so 
like the, it is highly contagious and I suppose we're conscious of it every day like constantly with our PPE constantly hand washing um but yeah it's just conveying to the public that that's it like it seems simple washing your hands but it, it is what's going to kill the virus off so I mean the purpose of this interview is to hammer home the message that the virus is still rampant and it's deadly as ever and it, it may be impacting it may not be impacting some people's life right now but someone else's work will be falling apart. So I think that's the issue. Is that somebody might just think, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. And they don't know, and they don't know anybody involved, like yourself, like a nurse, mm-hmm. who would be on the front line and dealing mm-hmm. with it every day. So this, that's what this is all about. Because yeah. we've had we've had a co- couple of instances in work where it's just not acceptable what's going on. So that's, that's what we're wondering. What's the, what, is there any message that you want to hammer home to people? I think... Um well, from what I've seen from the start, people are like people are scared, people are anxious, and people seem to like the virus is highly contagious. So, people, I think, do you know if they start to feel unwell, they feel like they'll be shamed if they go for a test, and if that test comes back positive, they feel like they'll be even more shamed. It'll be, do you know, they'll be blamed for doing something wrong. But people can pick this up anywhere. Do you know it's so easy to pick up? It's, I think, the message needs to be that. There's no shame in going to get tested. No healthcare professional minds. No healthcare professional, like your GP doesn't mind answering the phone. They're there to help. There's no shame. There's no judgment. There's no nothing. Anybody can contract it. There's no problem going for a test. The shame is if you know that you have symptoms or you know you've been in contact with somebody or and you either don't get tested or you get tested and you go about your business because you're putting other people at risk. Um, you mightn't have any symptoms. You might have, like, people might know that you're carrying it, but you could give it to somebody who will end up in hospital. Unfortunately, they won't be as lucky. Um, I think that's the big thing with me is that you might, mm-hmm. you might just have a cough, or you could just have, have have mild symptoms, but that ultimately could kill someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen people of all ages, as I said, coming in and like measure, like some people, no matter what age, we've had ninety plus year olds come in not a cough not a symptom not nothing nothing wrong with them and we've had 20 year olds coming in not being able to breathe so it affects everybody differently but ultimately the isolation period if you're getting tested isolate as soon as you feel like you need to until you have your date we hear people you know going to the shop because they need to get milk before they go get their test or they get their test and then they go get milk and like if that comes back positive, you've been in a public place. You're putting those close well. contacts. So you're putting. So, and then there. people are kind of uh, again with the whole blame culture. And like I feel sorry for people because you know we've had patients come in and they're like, I know that I should have gotten tested a week ago, but they're afraid of what other people will think. Yeah. And like I, I have no, you know, there's plenty of people that come in with it, no judgment at all. It, absolutely, it happens. You know, it's that contagious, but it's when people don't go get tested it's when they go and they see their parents or they go see their friends or they go to the shop or they go or do you know we had people over christmas with 40 plus contacts and 40. how like i don't even know 40 people that i could see in one day how are you seeing 40 people um it's just a session over christmas that's what that was gaff parties yeah. things like that and do you know and I, I feel i do feel sorry for people but as I say, my patient's kind of wearing thin at this point. Like, you know, not to see that many people. You must have um, to bite your lip a lot if that type of thing. Like, someone comes in and they have 40 contacts. Yeah. You, you must think to yourself, you fucking idiot. Like. 
it can be hard um but like as i think most people like the majority of people i know there's people sprouting anti-mask and not denying it and all sorts but that is a very small minority like people are trying to do their best so you give them the benefit of the doubt but when you hear stuff like that you're just like what what have we been talking about for 10 months yeah so yeah it's so that's um yeah so like we said earlier on it, that's that's what we want to ultimately it's it's stopping everything around us this virus and it's just something that we thought we thought we'd change it up this week on the show and just talk mm-hmm. about that so um you've been fantastic Africa. thanks for coming on and sorry if i sounded really nervous <laughs> you're already you're already you've been great so hopefully this hammers the message home that listen it's still rampant and uh everybody stay safe so thanks africa and uh, keep on hoping Thank you, you too. Yeah. Thanks, lads. Yeah, so I think I think it just hammer home the point that like you you gotta take this seriously. I mean, she's in work, stressed out of her mind all the time, constantly facing the virus, and I think it's better when you hear from the the horse's mouth. You could say, you know. Yeah, like you say, there's someone who's actually seeing this and living it. Yeah, it's actually like, it's, it's possible for us to imagine. Imagine being in a hospital every day during all this that's the thing I mean these guys who won't wear a mask because it's infringing on their fucking freedom get a grip man just put it on it's no big mm. deal listen to this woman talk listen to what she's saying like people are dying we had how many was that Two, 200 deaths in 3 days maybe that's insane it's insane so uh, it's uh, good to hear from one of our own uh, Hoop that's it who, yeah. uh, like you say has seen all this but Tyg uh, Porcel was her, her first Rover's love that has to be the first guess ever to say to that, yeah, person. yeah. Toy worked hard. He worked hard. I think, I think it's it's not the best though. When when I think you can say about a player, I oh, had heart. <laughs> I think that's not exactly the best description. Eve yeah. wasn't the one who said that I had a, po- a posh voice. Is it? Who said that? Oh God, I don't know. Who called you posh? Oh, someone called you posh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do say you're from Kimmage, prof. Kimage. Um. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on to the league being deferred to the March 19th. So that is the kickoff date. No fixtures as of yet. And um, end of the month, we're being told. So no verdict on Rovers 2 either. But apparently, every club bar Wexford is against us. Mm-hmm. Harry Kenny down at Wexford at the minute trying them. Um, good hoop, Harry Kenny. It's a strange one, isn't it? No fixtures. Every um, club. Every club. I suppose like, it's consistent from last year yeah all those clubs didn't want us but yeah I, don't know. I really want the B team to be back I really want Rovers to be back it's 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 so beneficial I mean look at Max Murphy and and Nugent they're coming up from it you know they've gotten men's football last year so that's what we want we, Sinclair Armstrong another another uh, another product of the, of the Roadstone project is it more just annoyance that these clubs can't do it themselves because what are we actually taking well, yeah, away they, from the first Yeah, division? you're right. I think so. That's definitely a part of it. Because they can't afford to do it themselves. And that's that's just how it is. But we've actively put that at the forefront of our plans. Is that this is what we want. And this is going to be beneficial to us. Done in nearly every country in the world. Am I, am I right? Like, Bayern 2 are in, mm-hmm. I think, the fourth division. Or whatever it is. You have uh, Real Madrid, Barca, all these. They're all in active leagues. Shouldn't yeah. be an issue. Just because you can't do it you know what I mean we're playing teenagers essentially being cock blocked <laughs> we're playing teenagers the only people who featured last season was the likes of Leon Pauls and Sean Cannon and Dean yeah. Williams 
I think Sean Cavanagh played one or two games. Yeah, come yeah. Back from he played injury. one come back from injury, didn't he? But I mean, we can't get promoted. If anything, we actually uh, looked like at one stage we were helping teams because they were like, oh, we just need to finish below Rovers. Yeah. And then we're in the playoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, de- de- definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Eight preseason games have been arranged from early February. Ooh, prof. Didn't know this. The clubs are working on the assumption that there will be no spectators in 2021, as we heard from the AGM. But hopefully, as Afric said earlier, we can uh, we can allow some in the summer and hopefully get over yeah. to the San Siro, prof. Um, Everyone have your before it's demolished. Did you see the new one? Fucking brutal. I did. Yeah. Brutal looking. Um, Everyone present your 2020 Presidents Cup tickets. Refunds all around. <laughs> um, I'm loving this eight preseason games. Um, we don't know what they are yet, but yeah. Talk back down to Thomastown. I've said this before, though. I'm I said this last year. I'm in no hurry for the football to come back because it's the same as last year when we won the cup. When you win something. There's no anxiety for me about, oh, when are the fixtures out? When are we kicking off again? Yeah, yeah. The pain for me was the Crotty and Fendon era. <laughs> when you've just been through eight months of absolute crap mm. and then you have to wait another four to actually start again and try and... And try and do something about it. Be a winning team again. That was torture. But when you win a cup or a league, I just put the feet up. I'm like... Come back when you come back. It's grand, yeah. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Let's just let's just sit up. <laughs> here's, here's my main issue. Eight preseason games. I oh, will have two a day as well. Don't forget that. Oh, that's an issue now as well. Are you allowed to go from one football match to the other? Some won't play. Like, do we have two different teams? Won't we? But the the, the coaching teams, like, they'll have to. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, because of COVID. Obviously, one. Yeah. The background team are going to be at both games. Do you know what I mean? You used they, to have like they mix? one at Rosestone and one at Tala. Yeah, so that's that could be an issue. I'm sure of that. Here's my main issue with it. And it's simply this. What's the story with Christmas lights being left up in late January? Yeah, you gotta get them down. You gotta get them down. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that prop. Mine came down I think two weeks ago. I think no, I saw I think I saw Liz Hurley taking hers down, so it says yes. I, you, I shall. saw I shall take, already take them down. I, I, sh- I shall take them down with you, Liz. <laughs> you just happen to see her Instagram. Oh, I, do you know these things? They just pop up. Yeah. They just you're pop not, up. You're not following her. No, I just pop up. You know, I was yeah. typing. I was Googling Christmas lights, wasn't I? <laughs> and then, you know, because it, it, you know the way your phone listens to you and then it pops up whatever you type in on your, on your browser. Just happened. Liz Hurley popped up. That's, that's believable. Know? I know. <laughs> Uh, January Essentials Prof uh, I'm loving these new, the new gear I'm loving the jacket You got the gilet I did Or the gilet The gilet It's a cracker it has the, It's got the, the green zip And it's got a big Oh big the green crest. zip is sexy The crest is very cool it's, it's actually the same crest I have on The crest they use I have the, the kind of chevron Umbros on my hoodie On the side of the arm And the crest they use And it's just bright It's, it's, it's just in your face It's lovely and the new jacket as well. I think it's a wind runner jacket, and it's just a really, really nice jacket. Um. So yeah, get your five k exercise stuff in. It's uh, we got we got quarter zip emerald gunmetal. That's the one I'm talking about. It's a gorgeous color, yeah. emerald gunmetal. I like the sound of that. Um. New hoodies, hats, caps, beanies, gloves, and snooze. I've got the all black new era hat on. It's a cracker. See the picture of Rob Lavelle in in this in the uh, is the snood. This yeah, I, I don't have they still got them or not? 
the, the, the helmets. He looks trapped in it like a like an astronaut. The le- leather helmet, isn't it? <laughs> really cool there. Uh, you've got all sorts. Twenty twenty one shower jackets from Umbro. Uh, bucket hats for the cold, wind, and the rain. So um, get them and keep yourself warm. All hooped up. So, prof, it's back. The quiz. Everyone get online and get together for another virtual one. It's always a great night. Save the date, February 12th at 7pm. And these uh, are always, always great crack. Great way of making money for the club. Yeah. And just just, just go crack in general. So I have to think we have to think of some skits now. Yeah, it's always a good time. So I think the price might be 15 quid. So sign up. Sign up, get your 15 quid in and uh, have a bit of crack online. So that is it for this week's show, Prof. We uh, hope to do something once a month, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we'll come up with some sort of content anyway. So that is it for this week, and keep on hooping. See ya. Magic spells we'll be doing for us And I'm kidding